0: Hey Dan, what if I tried something like this, you know, a little cockiness, a little laid back, maybe you want something a little heavier, Uh, well probably not
1: heavy, but you're now listening to Hi everyone, hi, I'm Dan Smith, I'm your host, have you listened to this podcast before? Maybe you haven't. Well, welcome. I don't have time to catch you up on everything. Go listen to the other 49. We did 50. We're here. Let's catch up on last week, shall we? Last week, I asked the question, what is the secret to a good relationship? And a lot of you guys wrote in and there's so much good stuff here. I'm going to try to pound through it. Here's what, here's what Nadine has to say. She says, "Here are some of my personal thoughts on things slash potential partner traits that would contribute to a good relationship. And she listed six things here and I won't read you all of her descriptions, but I'll give you the main points. She said one feeling as though your partner has your back, even on seemingly small things. That's important. Nadine. She said two being allowed to sing huge. Of course you got to be allowed to sing. What kind of a weird fucked up abusive relationship were you in before that the person wasn't allowing you to sing, man, you got to be able to sing. Even if you have a crappy voice, your partner's got to let you sing. I agree. Three, She says, let me have a bad day. Okay, Nadine, I will. Go ahead and have a bad day. I don't give a, hmm. Um, No, these are all very important. But I feel like they're very specific, maybe, about your last horrible relationship. I'm glad you're out of it. You can definitely do better. Four, having a helpful, thoughtful partner. Agreed. Five, having your own friends. For sure. Six, and then she quotes here. She said, do you want to be right or do you want to be happy? I heard this on Dr. Phil once. I'm partial to the odd bit of daytime TV, she says. It's okay. Nobody's judging you. And it's just always stuck with me. Okay. Those are all very good points. Thank you. And then guys, check this out. Maria wrote in, what's Maria's deal? Oh, she's a therapist that listens to my podcast when she's walking the dog. I love it, Maria. I am often wondering who people are and how they're listening to the podcast. So you satisfied a bunch of curiosity for me. Maria also opened her email by asking, are you particular about having the A in your name capitalized? Just curious. Yes, Maria. Are you particular about being called Maria and not just Aria? Probably, because that's how your name is spelled, right? Capital A. Bam. It's right there on my birth certificate. That's how it's happening. I don't know. That's just how I learned to spell it when I was a kid. And yes, I'm very attached to it. Don't give me a small a, big, big D, big A, or little D, big A. Yes, yes, very attached to it, Maria. Should we have a therapy session about this? Should I let it go, do you think? Okay, here's what Maria said. I'm going to read a whole bunch of this, and I know I'm talking really fast, but this is just how it is, because I want to jump into the real, like, this week's podcast. But there's so much happening on the 50th episode. We have all this stuff to get through, and then all the excitement of the new one. And an an ad, I'm going to tell you guys about that in a second, but okay, here we go. Here's Maria. I was thinking about the things your friends said, and something that they didn't articulate in the same way I do, but is of a similar variety, they talk about putting the relationship first. What this means, particularly in my relationship, is maintaining a level of humility. What I have going on in my relationship is that I have, over the course of my life, chosen to seek out relationships with people that manage themselves in the world pretty differently. I made my girlfriend go to couples counseling with me, ooh, big deal, before we moved in together, and our counselor described our relationship as navigating balance between chaos and order. And then she put in parentheses, I bring chaos. Hey, guess what, Maria? Pretty sure I do too. In this particular style, what it has come down to, especially for my girlfriend, who is deeply invested in being right, is that fundamentally, she would rather be kind than right. Bam! Call back to Nadine. She didn't even know it. And then she put in parentheses, and I like getting my way, but it is more important to me to be listened to and respected than to get my way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, she goes on to say a lot, and I was going to read all of it. Should I? Okay, she makes two really good points. She says, basically, boundaries are so important. There are many ways that relationships reinforce getting smaller, making your life smaller, isolating yourself, expecting your partner to meet all of your needs, and that's all really dangerous. Best case scenario, people get stifled and resentful. Worst case scenario, people are abusive. That's not to say that routine and monogamy are unacceptable, more to say that the person you choose to keep in your orbit needs to support you having an expansive life. Right on, Maria. If any of you guys needed that message, there it is. Have an expansive life. And I like the idea, I like the image of people that you're keeping in your orbit. She also says one final thing that people don't mention much and is and definitely got in my own way, image. And the level of effort people put into being cool is not usually something that will build your relationships. Being fit and stylish can be really wonderful things But it's the difference between doing it for yourself and doing it because of some general other that is not in the relationship. My relationship changed significantly when I got over wishing my girlfriend would try harder to be cool in as much as she makes a lot of dad jokes and doesn't wear skinny jeans and can be pretty intimidated by hipsters and really trendy people and can be squeamish about trying new things. What What are you talking about, Maria? She sounds amazing. And, and then she says, but then I choose and continue to choose being her girlfriend. And she is kind and generous and makes a life with me that is sustaining and wonderful. Hmm. And then she says, and now I make even worse dad jokes than she does. As you should, Maria. Go hang out in your not skinny jeans together and cuddle up and don't give a fuck about hipsters. Make all the dad jokes you want and walk your old dog. You guys seem to have an amazing life. Okay, guys, one more thing. This is the sweetest thing. It's definitely the sweetest thing that happened this week. It might be the sweetest thing of 2015 so far. It's just quite touching, you guys. Someone sent me a dollar. (laughs) Remember last week in the intro, I was talking about send me a dollar. Someone sent me a dollar and said, the key to the perfect relationship is knowing you can bet your bottom dollar that the other person has your back. Here's that dollar for when you find that person. Winky face. Oh my goodness. Thank you. I am so touched. And you know what? I'm not going to cash in that dollar. I'm just going to leave it there. So it might eventually be returned to you, but I'm just going to go ahead and leave it there and um, hope that it's wishing me to find that person eventually, you know? Okay. That's enough of of that. What a long intro. This week on the podcast, guys, super exciting. I have Jessie Ray West. Who is she? Well, She's a porn enthusiast and events coordinator. That's what she calls herself on Twitter. On Twitter, you can find her at Jessie Ray West. Let me spell this out for you because I love spelling for you J E S S E R A E West. You got it? Jessie Ray West. You can also check out thespitmagazine.com. Um, Saying the in front of Spit Magazine, very important. thespitmagazine.com. Check it out. Thank me later. I wanted to talk to Jessie for a while, but I wasn't sure what question to ask because basically I just wanted her to tell me stuff about sex, about what it is to be a feminist porn producer. I wanted her to talk to me about these amazing parties that she runs in Toronto. And I didn't really have a question. I eventually decided to frame the question, how do you deal with criticism? Because that happens to her. It happens to all of us. So she has some great advice about that and some great insight on criticism and what to do. So that's about the first 14 minutes of the podcast, and then it's all about sex. So if that's what you guys want to listen to, know that it's coming, which was not an intentional pun, but maybe that's a nice little dad joke. That's not a dad joke. Oh my God. What if your dad made that joke to you? That'd be the worst. Oh, what a creepy dad. I regret saying it. Not going to edit the intro. Guys, enjoy this. Oh, but first we have an ad. These things are just getting longer and longer. First we have an ad. Um, Paula Flalo, who runs the network, it's him talking. It's one minute long. It's lovely. Just listen in. It needs to happen. Okay.
2: Hey there podcast listeners if you happen to be in Montreal in the coming weeks there's a lot to do and see Centaur Theatre's Wildside Festival starts on Wednesday January 7th and Uncalled For presents Play Day, May Day featuring our very own Matt Goldberg also at Wildside For Body and Light presents Coming and Going featuring Dirty Feet's Stephanie morin Robert and Alison Burns and on Saturday January 10th No More Radio presents Old Time Radio Theatre at 11pm at the Centaur Theatre but before that head to Mainline Theatre at 8pm for Confabulation presents All in the Timing, a night of all true storytelling, part of the Booz DC Dance Festival, which also kicks off on January 7th. We also have a great contest going on until Friday, January 23rd, 2015. We want to know which song do you think would be the best song to help you survive a zombie apocalypse? Yes, a zombie apocalypse. Listen to Edge of the City, episode 137 for more info, and you can win one of five copies of Lauren Wilson's The Art of Eating Through the Zombie Apocalypse, a cookbook and culinary survival guide. Do you like our podcasts? You can subscribe on iTunes and also take a minute to rate and review them. And if you're a fan of this podcast, check out the other great podcasts at nomoreradio.com.
1: We're getting into it. It's happening. The question is, how do you deal with criticism? But let's talk for a minute about who you are and what kind of criticism you receive. Okay. Who uh, are you?
0: Who am I? Um, so my name is Jessie Ray West. I'm one of the co-founders of I Tap That, which is a, a queer and sex-positive community resource in Toronto. Um, I'm also uh, a member of the Spit Magazine, which is an authentic feminist porn resource. That's amazing.
1: <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> this is all very exciting. Um, I just want to let our listeners know, if I sound a little bit shy, it's because we've just turned on mics after having spent like two and a half hours just hanging out, having lunch and having a an, an, very enjoyable Tuesday afternoon. And now suddenly I've changed the whole vibe. by shoving a <laughs> mic in your face and going, who are you? That's tell okay. me who you are. That's okay. How do you deal with criticism? <laughs> so we were just talking a minute ago about people, people criticizing the parties that you run or right. tell me, tell me what's happening.
0: Um, So I run two events. Uh, They're both monthly. Crush To is the longest-running event. It's the last Saturday of every month, and I've been doing it for almost three years. And we sort of brand ourselves as a queer, sex-positive, poly party. Um, We like to be sort of the safer space, the alternative to other club and nightlife events where people who identify anywhere on the queer spectrum can go and be around other queers who aren't going to... Disrespect them or make them feel uncomfortable. It is. I only went to the New Year's party,
1: but it is an incredibly welcoming vibe Everybody there is like super friendly. Yeah, it was
0: really really nice. Thank you. I I appreciate that. That means a lot um, I, I do work really hard at making uh, My parties a safer space for people um, You know, we have things like consent monitors, which are people who hang out at our events and they make sure that you know, creepy straight guys on the dance floor aren't getting too close to people. Was there a consent monitor at the New Year's Eve party? There are, yeah. Uh, And they're just
1: flying under the radar. I didn't even notice where they were.
0: Totally. There are a lot of people who go to Crush come every single month and have for years. Um, And they're people I've become friends with and people I trust to advocate for stuff like that. Um, All of our performers act as that person. The staff at the bar we use is great. Uh, And then myself included, I spend a lot of time sort of monitoring that. Um, we have a, a halftime show during the party, which usually features burlesque and drag. And the first thing I talk about on stage is consent. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm very open about the fact that if someone breaks those rules, they will be kicked out immediately. What are the rules? The rules are don't ask without touching. Or Sorry. Don't ask
1: without touching.
0: I love it. That's actually yeah. a great no, rule. No, that's a great one. No, it's uh, don't pull, to, pull someone in real close. Pull someone in real Is close. Is this okay? Is this okay? No, uh, you have to you have to get someone's explicit verbal consent before you touch them. Uh, I understand on a dance floor there is some gray area where if you're dancing with someone you're not sure, like, can my hand be on your hip? But I think if you're ever doubting whether it's okay, just ask. yeah And I encourage that at my parties. I encourage the conversations around consent. Because uh, that generally leads to better sex and relationships. I like this. I
1: like this explicit verbal consent thing also just because I'm such an uptight nerd that I tend to do that sort of thing anyway. Like, um, excuse me, is it okay if.
0: Yeah, yeah, totally. I once
1: ended a first date like. Like just to note like this, like I know this is the time where we should probably kiss, but I guess I've ruined it by talking about it. So I'm just oh going to leave, God. but I'll um, next time next date. like
0: that. Wow. Yeah. yeah. No, that's great. So explicit verbal consent. Yes. Explicit verbal consent is very important. Uh, especially in a nightclub setting where people are drinking. Um, it, I think it's really important to be cognizant of the fact that what might seem okay or natural might not be. Uh, and you need to be really aware of that. Mm-hmm. The rules, the rules Yeah, that's kind of the only rule at my party. Don't be a creepy weirdo. And there are there are secret monitors milling about, right? Yeah, let you know. We uh, we used to give them like tiaras or badges so they could be easily identified. And there are people at the party who are easily identifiable. All of the bartenders, uh, myself, um, our performers, uh, the MC of the show, Johnny B. Good, he's great at that. Um, and then aside from that, people who go to my parties, I've seen I've seen them step in and be like, "Hey, that's not okay." Um, consent issues aren't something that happen at every one of my parties but in the three years it's definitely come up Um, you know people walking in off the street not realizing what my party is all about um, that's what it is right it's always like just the randoms. That totally it's just vibe. random yeah. people who see the word sex positive they don't understand what that means they think it means like a crazy free-for-all sex party right. they don't understand the politics behind it and they show up and you know they need to be put in their place very quickly yeah Um, the positive side of that is in my experience, it's often been a really great learning opportunity. I've taken guys aside. There was one specifically who I took aside and I was like, hey, you're dancing way too close to that girl. I can tell she's uncomfortable. And instead of him saying like, oh, fuck you, whatever. He was like, yeah, I I have no idea how to approach women can you tell me Really? Yes. And then what happens? I talked to him about how, you know, if you're shy at a club, these are things you can do to try and make friends. Oh my gosh, tell all of us cuz like <laughs> we all want to know. I mean, is that something you can Totally. On I, right think, now? I think I uh, think a lot of people who come to my parties come alone because, you know, they feel alienated from whatever community they were once a part of they might just be discovering some queer tendencies they have um and they want to meet other like-minded people but they have no idea how and society has taught cis men in general to be sort of hyper aggressive and sexual and play games with women um but i think the best thing you can do is treat people like people don't Treat them like objects. If you're interested in dancing with someone, go up to them, smile, be friendly, introduce yourself and be completely honest, which is hard. But I think if you approach someone, you're like, hey, I'd love to dance with you. Is that OK? Then they have the option of saying like, yes, I'd like to or no, not right now. Yeah. Um, and then from there, you know, no one wants to hear no, not right now. But that's way better than making someone uncomfortable and dancing up on them and yeah. ruining someone's night. So you feel like you like helped this guy a little bit, changed his totally attitude. Totally. I think he was really, really looking to connect with people and had no idea how. So he went on the dance floor and was just sort of dancing near and around girls, not touching them, but definitely dancing closer than he should have. And after the conversation with him, I saw him actually going up to people and approaching them, you know, making the type of small talk that is necessary to create some sort of like trust and boundary within a social situation. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think... It, May I have your explicit verbal consent to dance with you? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Don't put that no, word. <laughs> It definitely doesn't have to be that awkward, but... Yeah. I mean, myself included, a lot of people aren't great at picking up on social cues. Um, so, yeah, it can be hard, especially in a dark nightclub with loud music. But there are ways to get around it, and there are ways to meet people without making them uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, it sounds like your party does incredible things for people. Well, I've only you. got to witness one, but I really enjoyed it. So t- tell me about this criticism. Who's
0: criticizing? Why? Um, Is it just queers being jerks? Queers in general are a, a very intelligent, politically aware and active group. <laughs> uh, I love them. I identify as one of them. Um, and I, I love my community for that reason. We care about stuff. We get passionate about stuff. And that's why we're great. Um, A lot of it is that we have no choice. We have to. No one's advocating for us. So we need to, you know, advocate for ourselves. Um, But yeah, I've definitely received criticisms on my parties about many things. Um, And yeah, after three years, all I can really do is do the best that I can and be open to criticism. I think the key is just being open and listening, not shutting people down when they have an issue with you. Because... And I've definitely done this in the past. My first reaction is to get defensive and uptight and say, like, "Well, I put so much work into this party. How can you not appreciate it?" And I, you know, I've realized that not everyone does, and not everyone sees that side of what I do, and they don't know how much work and time and energy and effort I put well, into things. Yeah, I mean, that's the
1: thing, particularly about a party. I would, I would think, is that it should look effortless. Like, it, it would, right. it would take the more, um, what's the word I'm looking for empathic person right um to understand the work behind it right yeah they're just like engaging it with like showing up like here it is totally fun times for me oh
0: I don't like this right and you know I've definitely gone to parties and nitpicked um but I think an important part of what I'm trying to create is an open dialogue among people so yes I definitely get A little butthurt and irritated when people nitpick at my parties but at the same time I understand that I need to be open to these criticisms if I want to change I've definitely made mistakes Um, and you know the reasons my parties are so successful is because I've listened to feedback from people Mm -hmm. I'm not gonna please everyone but I've definitely taken into consideration things if things people have said and then benefited from it
1: yeah, I think it's most people's knee-jerk reaction to be defensive around criticism. I totally. Mean,
0: yeah. Yeah. Also, what you said about not pleasing everybody is really important. Yeah, I'm. There's no way I'm gonna please everyone, especially in the queer community, because we're so particular about what we like. Yeah, we were joking around earlier uh, at at lunch because, like, I'm
1: vegan, gluten free. That's like <laughs> mostly how you eat too, or not yes. really. Yeah. yeah. Right. So we already have that, and then there's like people that take it to the next level, right? Like, no onions, no. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Uh but that's why I love us because we care about things. We don't take the norm. We create our own rules and make decisions for ourselves and aren't we don't live by like this cookie cutter mold. So of course we're going to complain about things, but yeah.
1: And you know, I think it's possible that um I'm, I'm I'm about to say something now and I don't know how how true it is or not. Um but it's possible that queers are defensive around things because of not fitting in in larger society or because they have to be in general. Totally. So like when I'm doing comedy uh, for a mostly queer audience, I know that they're more sensitive around stuff um, because they're used to being the punchline or being made fun of or something's going on where their defenses are heightened and I just have to approach things, the same material I do, but just approach it Um, in a different way or even tell them like, hey, just calm down and trust me because I'm going to say brown people at the beginning of this joke, but it has a political point and we're all going to agree at the end of this joke. Totally. Don't worry about it.
0: Totally. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think it's important for people within the queer community to recognize their sort of individual privileges. Like I definitely have a lot. Um, And then tailor your behavior and your reactions and the way you speak to the people who are around you. You know, there are certain people who can't attend my parties because the venue we currently host them at have a, has a million stairs, and that sucks. It's horrible. Yeah. Uh, I hate that people who need accessibility can't come. Um, and when people bug me about that, they're like, well, why don't you just host it at an accessible venue? And for me, I have to say, like, I run a startup company basically on my own with one other person, and I don't have a huge budget. Uh, there are a few venues in the city that are accessible, but I'm on top of that they also have to be queer friendly right um there are a lot of things working against me in this city in terms of hosting accessible events and i receive a ton of negative feedback about that but i understand like you know if i needed accessibility i'd be really pissed off too yeah our city is not designed for people who who need special services and that's awful
1: yeah, that is a really annoying thing. I have a few friends with wheelchairs, which has opened my eyes to it. I mean, just as a person, yeah. you know, growing up, I wouldn't have thought of it on my own. But then you look around and you're like, man, how easy would it have been to like make this sidewalk a slope instead of totally a curb? Or, right. Yeah. And so it's just something kind of something we all have to think about, hopefully, as we're planning cities and moving forward. Totally. Building new spaces. And
0: yeah. yeah. And it's it's not it's not an easy thing. Like the, the venue I host my parties at now. I love it. They're they're so great. Um, and it's not an easy thing to fix. It's not as simple as putting in a ramp or an elevator. It's like a 40 or $50,000 renovation that that's not something people have lying around. Right. Like, yeah, in terms of criticism, I think it's just really important to be open to what people have to say and their different lived experiences and what they're going through. And yeah, within the queer community, a lot of people are marginalized in different ways and. I think it's important to try and be as aware of that as possible, no matter how much you just want to be like personally offended that people are attacking you. Yeah. All right. Now let's talk about
1: sex. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) Because we started this podcast. I was like, I don't know what question exactly I should ask. I just know you're a resource of uh, sex info and you have a very interesting life. You see me now (laughs) looking at uh, I'm looking at Twitter because I put it out on Twitter I said, I'm about to have a feminist porn and party producer on the podcast. What should the question be? (laughs) So let's see what people are saying. Um, Are you ready to field some questions from the internet? Let's do it. Let's, uh, I hope I can be eloquent. Oh, this is cute. This guy says, just have some comfortable chit chat about the weather, I think.
0: (laughs) The (laughs) weather? So yeah, how are you feeling about the weather right now? Uh, It's awful. It makes me really sad. Uh, I turn into a different person. (laughs) I can't function. Oh no. Um, This is realness, you guys. This is Canadian (laughs) realness because I relate to everything that you're saying right now. Yeah. I'm just capable of like 75% less during the day. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: It just got really cold in Toronto.
0: Yes. I don't even know. I don't even know what the proper digits are, but it's... I think it's negative 15 today. Fuck. Yeah. Oh, Although I think it's... I saw that Edmonton is negative 45, so I don't have much to complain about. Plus, this cold weather encourages my partner and I to burrow more and mm-hmm. just have more sex because it's warm in our bedroom. Yeah, that's good, actually. Yeah. Man, I should
1: be asking about that, but I just wanted to say this anecdote that I had forgotten about winter couple days ago we had our first snowfall like our first kind of real lovely snowfall and i was in a cafe working oh this is so beautiful i feel so creative when things are <laughs> falling from the sky this is the greatest and then like then yesterday got that really cold and i was like all oh, right there's there's also those winter days for me at least because i get so cold my hands are always so cold where it's like you're getting your keys out like you take off your mitten to get your keys out and then there's really this moment where it's like oh if i don't get the door open like i might die on the street like that's how i feel i feel like my hands are gonna stop working i have like oh, 10 totally. seconds for them you have to like work. 10
0: seconds while your fingers still work yeah to like text or use your key
1: and then they're and it's actually kind of scary when it's like two in the morning and you're going home and there's no one else on the street and you're like <laughs> yeah. oh my god i'm gonna die out here
0: die in the cold oh it's
1: the worst okay okay yeah. that was weather but it, the weather is encouraging you to have more sex which is probably good oh totally um i don't really want to ask about it because i know your partner gross (laughs) (laughs)
0: yeah he's uh
1: he's your best bud um uh, here's one here's a question that i don't i'm not sure here anyway here we go here's what somebody is asking what is the difference between porn made by feminists and porn made by queers Hmm. i don't know if there is
0: a difference or i don't know if there is a difference either i think a lot of people struggle with the definition of feminist and i think it is a very personal thing there's obviously huge history behind the word Um, In terms of, you know, why I use the word feminist to describe the porn I make, um, there are a few key words that I think play into it. I try and make it as authentic as possible, uh, as body positive as possible. I try and show, you know, people who are generally marginalized or underrepresented in mainstream porn. And I try and be cognizant of the impact my porn has on people. Um, I'd say... A hundred percent of the people I have featured in my porn are queer. Uh, And the definition of queer is also up in the air for a lot of people. Um, What is it for you? To me, queer means you identify as anything that isn't cis or hetero. You can be cis and be queer. Um, I'd say you can even be hetero and queer if you identify as something like polyamorous I think, at least to me, the word queer means you're somewhere on the spectrum of not, you know, what my parents did, like cis hetero couple who got married and have been monogamous for 30 years. Right. I think by your
1: definition,
0: I don't know, could a majority of people be called queer at this point? Totally, yes. Yes. I understand that a lot of people, you know, are very protective of their label because it's how they identify. And that's I think that's really important for me. Queer is such a broad term because it allows for a few really important things. One being uh, a lot of people like to pry and they want to know about your life. And when they ask how you identify or they want to sort of get a feel for who you are, when you say the word queer, it's so broad and open and it just ends the conversation. It's like, I am queer. That doesn't like it's a it's a it's a quick way to say like look i'm i'm not straight yeah uh but i don't want to get into what i am with you yeah that's fair um and
1: i think that's important when you say um it's important
0: for you to have or you try to make porn that's authentic what does that mean exactly to me authentic means we show people interacting in a sexual way that is authentic to them whatever that may be um when I when I cast for porn or when we have a shoot day, I never have a makeup person in, and I tell my performers to you know wear as much makeup as you would on a first date with someone. If that means no makeup at all, great. If that means a full face of makeup, great. It's whatever you feel sexiest doing, um, and I you know I really like featuring couples who exist in real life. Mm-hmm. Uh, I find that sort of authentic sexual connection translates to way hotter porn than just putting together two physically attractive people. Right. Um, I have a rule about, I, you know, if I find out that someone has faked an orgasm, I'll take their porn down. It won't go up on my website. I love
1: this. How do you find <laughs> out if someone's faked? It? If it I hard. find out but that if someone's I, faked? If
0: you faked. <laughs> no. Um, I like the idea of you finding out later somehow. I think I sort of avoid that by encouraging my performers to not feel the pressure to orgasm, because there are so many beautiful things about sex that have nothing to do with orgasm, and that's what I like showing. You know, we don't edit out someone slipping or you know accidentally elbowing someone in the face. Like we <laughs> that's don't. The good stuff. That's totally. That's, that's the hot stuff. stuff. That's yeah. what makes it seem real and accessible and relatable. Um, I like you know I'm not interested in showing some girl who's been photoshopped and airbrushed having a fake orgasm for the pleasure of some cis hetero guy like that's that's not what i'm about at all right so i don't know if there's a difference between feminist and queer porn i think they're i think they're related for sure yeah i think there's definitely you know queer porn that exists that's exploitive like you know very typical lesbian porn which is just two straight girls like fingering each other with big fake nails the
1: weirdest thing yeah. <laughs>
0: ever i've definitely run across that in my time yeah and been like mm, no i think there's definitely porn that exists that you know shows same-sex acts that's awful and exploitive um uh, but i'd say generally porn that is created for people who are queer is feminist
1: mm-hmm Okay, I'm going to tell you something that I discovered about myself watching the Crash Pad series. Oh, I love Crash Pad, <laughs> Pad series. Well, I was watching one particular scene, and I don't remember from what video or what. Oh, there was also one time I was watching, and I was like, I have that sweater. Like it was a <laughs> <Yeah>.
2: <laughs> and, the, and
1: the greatest thing about that was, it's like a sweater that my girlfriend had given me that used to be her ex's or whatever. It was like the queerest sweater the of all time, sweater ever, Yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, there it is. Um, <laughs> but I discovered that there's certain, like, even watching. Porn. I'm not I mean, I don't consume a lot of porn, so um from speaking from that perspective, but that there was moments during the crash pad, whatever I was watching, where it was like a zooming in on someone's vagina, and there was all this, you know, mucus, what do we call it, whatever there was. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. Um, I guess I want to be in love with you if I'm going to see that. Like it kind of grossed me out. Totally. And I I don't feel particularly like grossed out by people's bodies or anything. But just like in that moment, I was like, oh, okay, that's something that I like completely um, not even just tolerate, but like enjoy Mm -hmm. in a real sexual situation that I'm having. But to see it with someone else, I was like, nope, I don't love you. This is not okay. (laughs) It
0: is a very intimate thing for sure. I
1: found a little boundary for myself. That was your porn boundary? Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? I think maybe since then I haven't even like gotten back in with queer porn. Maybe I should. Is there less mucus than I think there is?
0: Oh yes. Okay, good. Yes.
1: Well, <laughs> like I'm gonna look. I'm gonna look here for more questions on Twitter. But also tell us where we can find where we can find this. The Spit Magazine.
0: Yes. So the the porn company I uh, I co run with my business partners uh, the Spit dot com. Um, Yeah, we're sort of a queer porn collective. Uh, There's a photographer, a videographer named John B. He shoots a lot for us, and he creates beautiful stuff. Uh, He actually just released a video of this really adorable queer couple uh, that's very focused uh, on her pleasure. In fact, I I think there's maybe a minute or two of the cis male having an erection, but aside from that, it's 18 minutes of him pleasuring her and just sort of worshipping her body. And... Yeah, it's great. Yeah, it was really cute to hear you talk about it
1: earlier because I, I peeped a little bit of that video and you were like, it's just mostly him being attentive to her. And I was like, this does sound like really feminist porn. Yes. <laughs> like, yeah. who says that? This is a porn that he's just like really attentive yeah. to her pleasure. Yeah, oh, that's great. Um, here's two questions. Okay. Um, which part of your job do you get the most satisfaction from? And then also which part frustrates you the most?
0: I get a lot of, satisfaction out of seeing or people telling me that I've made them feel like they have a community. For a really long time, I didn't have friends uh, or even family who I felt really understood who I was or what was important to my character or things I was passionate about. And I, I find it really rewarding when people you know, tell me I really hated porn until I found you know, what you make. Or I was really uncomfortable with my boyfriend watching porn until I found your stuff. You know, I didn't feel like I was any good at making friends or being social until I came to your events. Oh, wow. Like, that's That's pretty huge. That stuff is really rewarding to Mm me. Uh, Because I know what it's like to feel like you, you know, you have no one, you don't really belong anywhere. It sucks. Yeah. So that's, that's, I do find that really rewarding. Um, I like seeing people connect with each other. I think everyone has like their different, You know motivations in life. For some people, it's money or career stuff, whatever. Uh, But for me, it's definitely love and human connection. And when I see other people experiencing that, it just it, yeah, I love it. As for what frustrates me,
1: I just also want to say I'm just sitting here smiling at you because that's a really lovely thing. I realized I had given no like verbal (laughs) response to you. I was just like, oh yeah. How
0: nice. Like, how how many people are just, like,
1: motivated by love and connection? Not everybody. No.
0: Yeah. No, I think a lot of people are motivated by, like, money. Status. Their status in life or, you know, how far they can go in their career, which are all totally valid things. It's just not my thing. They're just
1: not as good, so.
0: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Or as noble,
1: so. Sorry, guys. I just
0: love people and I love... Love and being loved and giving love. It's a whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So the, which part of your job frustrates you the most? This is going to sound awful, but like my financial limitations. There are so many things I would love to do with my parties and my porn company that just as a startup, I just can't do.
1: Yeah, that you doesn't know? sound awful. That sounds really normal. I, I think a lot of people are probably frustrated by financial limitations yeah. in general.
0: I would, I would love to open a venue that was fully accessible where I could host crazy sex parties and invite everyone and make them feel comfortable and you know implement systems for you know people who don't generally feel comfortable in other spaces. Um, yeah, running a porn site's really expensive. A lot of the people who collaborate with Spit have done it for free or mm-hmm. for very little money. Um and I would love to be able to pay them. Like
1: it, it would seem that there there would be a lot of money in porn, but is it because of the niche nature of it, and because there's so much porn for free that people aren't really that willing to pay for it?
0: Yeah, there's a lot of free porn out there. And then on top of it, we're such a niche market, like we don't really have a lot of hardcore stuff. Actually, we have no hardcore stuff. Uh, that's not to say there are no penetrative acts. There are. Um, but that I, I like to call it like the crack of porn, the stuff that's like you just skip through and watch the cum shot and then you come and you go back to Facebook or whatever. Mm -hmm. Just that, like, really bad porn that breaks your brain. Um, You know, that stuff's free. And people become so accustomed to it because that's, you know, when you type in anything into Google, the porn links you get are for, like, you know, Pornhub and Xtube and that really, like, junky porn which breaks your brain. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I, I would love to be able to you know, do more advertise my porn more so people could see that stuff. And I feel like my listeners
1: would be into it. Yeah. I hope so. Let's see if you get some <laughs> some new hits or subscribers so, yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Because you're like it's just about love and connection. It is. That's all we're about here at the podcast. Yeah. Um yeah, and like and not a lot of mucus. So it's not a lot of mucus. As long as there's
0: not a lot of mucus. No, we tend to feature more more body appreciation than mucus
1: um talk to me about it breaking people's brains i feel like you have more to say about that
0: breaking people's brains um i just i find a lot of mainstream porn to, to be offensive in a way uh it's horrible for men it's horrible for women uh anyone who's marginalized in any way it's terrible for them um i remember being 15 and walking in on my boyfriend. Masturbating to porn and it broke my heart. I I had never been so heartbroken in my life I couldn't fathom the idea of him being turned on by someone else, which in hindsight is really funny
1: It is kind of funny because you're a pretty open person these days.
0: Yeah, Uh, it took a lot of personal growth but you know I got to a place where I accept and understand that people in general uh, are going to be attracted to people who aren't their partner I'm obviously a huge advocate of that. Yeah Um, but yeah, I think there's a lot of porn out there that, you know, teaches men that they need to be hypersexual and um, aggressive all the time. And they it, it teaches women that they need to be super receptive and multi-orgasmic at all times and super thin and white and blonde. Uh, and it teaches men that they have to be incredibly muscular. Uh, and it just, it sort of, it doesn't give people a realistic representation of what sex is like. And that's fine. It's, you know, everyone wants to indulge in fantasy. But I think there are ways you can indulge in fantasy that don't create unrealistic ideals in your brain. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people, teenagers, learn about sex from the internet and porn, and what they're learning isn't healthy or safe.
1: I think about that sometimes, too. Yeah. Yeah, about, like, the message that young... Younger right. boys are getting if if they're just totally. taking an in internet porn
0: totally yeah. um you know there's a set up on spit where it's a it's a cis couple and there's some BDSM in there and I I made a point of shooting a photo of them holding something saying like I 100 uh, percent enthusiastically consent to acts of BDSM um, because when you you know you go on Pornhub and you see a blowjob video of some guy you know fucking a girl's face Mm -hmm. and there's no there's no mention of you know did they have a conversation first about that's what she like is that what she wants does she feel comfortable or is she just doing it to please him right um and teenage boys especially see that and i can't imagine what it does to them like they think that's how you're supposed to have sex right and that's that's really harmful and then it teaches women that that's what sex is that it's not about their pleasure right
1: Um, Sorry, I've been a lesbian for so long, (laughs) but I was like okay let me just like try to relate to people that don't think sex <laughs> is about women's pleasure right it's like mm, okay yeah i guess i guess totally. there are people that are like well, that.
0: even the lesbian porn i watch it's just it's clearly made by men for men mm-hmm. it's just these two female puppets being told to interact in a certain way and as a woman i can tell like what you're doing is not pleasurable right that hurts fake nails do not feel nice right um but it's just it's what men want they don't care about the authenticity of what they're watching. And I think that's incredibly harmful. I'm going to bring
1: this up you, because we were talking earlier before we had the mics out and everything about um, men having a hard time getting it up in threesome situations yes. or orgy situations. Totally. Because tell me, tell me, you tell me.
0: Well, I think porn in general, um, you know teaches men that they need to behave a certain way in sexual situations, threesomes, which a lot of, uh, a lot of cis men seem to like, but I know a lot of cis men who don't like that, which is another thing. Mm -hmm. Men are told that, you know, lesbians, hot, I'm into it, which is just so fucking gross, like to fetishize someone in that way. Yeah. But, um. No, but it is hot and I'm into it, so. (laughs) (laughs) That's different. No, I mean, you know, whatever. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, what was I saying? I
1: completely interrupted you to be an asshole. I'm sorry. Um, no, I'm just thinking
0: about lesbians
1: because you were saying earlier. I know this is a great chat that we're having. Men in
0: threesomes, right? So you know, I've I've had quite a few threesomes and orgies in my day, which is won't be news to anyone. Um, and I found that yeah, a lot of a lot of men get overwhelmed and and can't get it up and. In my experience, I've never reacted poorly. It's totally understandable. If I had an appendage that changed shape and size depending on what was going on in my brain and other people could see that, I would definitely have trouble maintaining erection. I've thought of that before. I'm really glad that that's oh, not yeah. the case. At least like, if we have a moment where we like tune out, it's like not physically apparent. We right. can just <laughs> keep going. But yeah, I, that would suck. For people who have penises, that would be really hard. Yeah. And, and yeah, in my experience, I've noticed a lot of men have trouble maintaining erection during group sex situations. And I think it's because uh, they're so often told that the whole threesome is about them. Like the thing I've heard more often than not from men is I really want to have a threesome, but I don't know how I would please all those women at once. Which is funny because why is that the focus of the threesome? Like, he needs to please them. Like, what about them? Why can't they please each other? Yeah, they're there. Totally. Why can't they please him? Like, it's all about him pleasing them because that's what you're supposed to do as a man in a threesome. And that just, that whole idea grosses me out. And yeah, I, I, I think it's funny, but I also think it's sad that, you know, a lot of people want to explore group sex dynamics and the way they've been taught through porn to explore them is not fun or sexy. Right. And yeah, in my experience, you know, I've had, I've had many threesomes with, uh, you know, two girls and a guy and the guy just sort of gets overwhelmed and scared and realizes that there's a lot of pressure on him and it shouldn't be that way.
1: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Let's
1: see what else is happening. Oh, this is goofy. Somebody's going, how do I apply for that job? Any resume (gasps) tips?
0: uh Uh, yep drop out of high school uh (laughs) that's what i did okay drop out of high school don't go to college uh be a sexual deviant from a very young age um and then realize you're really craving a community and then make one and then make one so kind of the same
1: reason people get into comedy just desperate just be a desperate weirdo (laughs)
0: yeah basically
1: (laughs) with enough charm to make it work yes (laughs) that's totally it. <laughs> we did it here's a question from somebody that i think you'll have a good answer for how do you respond to people who say that there's no such thing as feminist porn has that even come up yes that is
0: something i've heard before and i think that's like a particular wave of feminism where people assume that if a woman is sexualized in any way It demeans her and takes away from her character, which is understandable because for so long women have just been objects uh, or, you know, made to feel like they're objects when clearly we're capable of so much more. Um, But I think that statement is harmful because women are sexual beings. Women enjoy porn. Women enjoy self-pleasure. They enjoy all the different types of things that are associated with sex, which... I'll list them more slowly. (laughs) (laughs) So not just (laughs) orgasms, basically. Porn can totally be feminist. I think as long as you're cognizant of what you're creating and showcasing, it can be feminist. I'd say people of my parents' generation would definitely argue that it's not. Like, I think my mom struggled with it a bit in that she viewed porn as exploiting women, which it generally does. But I'm creating and lots of other people are creating this new brand of porn that's about empowering women and, you know, showcasing their bodies and their stretch marks and their cellulite and, you know, showing that their bodies have value. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's really important. That connects with feminism. I think showing that women are sexual beings that aren't just there to serve a purpose is inherently feminist. You're right. Fuck the
1: haters. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, no, That's not your attitude at all. But I just thought we probably should wrap it up and we should probably uh, bring it back around to the fake question. It wasn't even... You saw me struggling for two hours trying to come up with the question, the question. just yeah. as an excuse to talk about anything. So, yeah. How, how do you deal with criticism?
0: How do I deal with criticism? Well, I'm open to it. I'll listen to it. Uh, every day I'm, you know, learning... How important things like meditation are to my mental health. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just trying to breathe and not take everything so personally. I think a lot of times when people are hurting, they'll take it out on you. And that's fair for them in a way. For me, because I've, you know, I get all the benefits of running this queer community resource. Obviously, I should have to deal with some (laughs) some flack. Um, that's an interesting way of thinking about it. Yeah, I, I feel so incredibly lucky to run these two companies, um, and the experiences I've had and the people I've met that, you know, if I have to occasionally have a strip torn off me, that's okay. The biggest mistake I've made is shutting people down when they criticize me, just being like, no, I'm like, I know I'm trying as hard as I can and they don't see that, Mm -hmm. but all I can think about is, well, I'm doing everything I can. What do you want from me? Uh, and I'm I'm learning that that's, you know, that's not productive and it's not going to appease people. Yeah, in terms of learning to deal with criticism, I think it's just about being open um, and really believing in what you do. I think that's important. I, I feel good about the work that I do and feel really lucky that I'm allowed to do it. I think that's important. Man, this has just been the greatest chat. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for being on the podcast. Thanks.
1: We're not done yet. Okay, we're recording again. I just told Jesse that I always have people make up their own jingles for Learn a Thing, and you got really shy and pretty <laughs> cute about it. And I realized that I was I was that is throwing a lot at someone to ask them to make up their own jingle.
0: I'm not. I'm not a performer like you. I
1: just thought it was very <laughs> nice. So I'll make up. I'll make up a jingle for you.
0: Oh man, now I'm excited. And
1: then you'll. Um,
0: I'm excited to hear what you think well now i'm nervous that you're triangle. excited
1: because there's some kind of expectation i thought i was just sweeping in and being your hero it should
0: probably just be orgasm sounds no i can't
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay now i'm embarrassed and shy orgasm sounds
0: <laughs> i feel like that would be most that would be
1: yeah that would that could be really good but i can't sit here yet i know there's a no faking rule so there's
0: a no faking. Rule. <laughs> I can't
1: That's what that's the loophole where I'm going to get away from not making orgasm noises on the podcast that my mom knows how to Google now, by the way. Oh, no. Yeah. So anyway, hopefully I don't know if she'll listen to this one. (laughs) Maybe what she's like, because we did kind of bury the real meat of this podcast under the question, how do you deal with criticism? Yeah, maybe my mom. Well, yeah, sometimes I wonder about that for myself. What the shit? All right. Okay, here we go. I'm not going to do orgasm noises, but now I'm freaked out. Um, oh no! Learn a thing with Jesse Ray West. Learn a thing. Wow! I just that was, made that up.
0: That was very impressive. I channeled some kind of '70s lounge person. All right, I'm into it. Like, what are we going to learn? What are we going to learn today? Um, so when I was when I was a young little thing. I used to read this scene called Infiltration, which is about urban exploration, which for me was quite exciting because I just thought about all the places I could go have sex in the city that weren't my parents' basement. And one of them, the best one where I used to go quite frequently, was the roof of the Royal York Hotel. And I am in no way encouraging trespassing. That's illegal. Uh, but if you take it upon yourself to do that, <laughs> uh, I think it's the 13th floor. Uh, you take a right from the elevator and you go outside and you can get onto the roof. And it's a beautiful view of the city, Toronto, and the the waterfront and the trains. And anyone Um, can do that? Can anyone just
1: get into the hotel and get up the elevator? Yes. You just
0: walk in, go up the elevator, 13th floor, take a right, take another right, and then you're outside uh, on the roof. From there, you climb up a ladder onto another roof. Um, I don't know if I'd attempt that now, but at at 14, I was definitely into it. Um, And yeah, it's a beautiful place to... uh, touch your partner's junk <laughs> where your parents aren't around. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, and it's a beautiful view of the city. That sounds awesome. All right. So this, this Learner thing was a little bit Toronto specific.
1: Yes. But for those of you in Toronto right now, take advantage <laughs> the 13th floor.
0: Or find places in your city where you can uh, go do that
1: oh and if you do find places let me know let's turn this podcast into a totally new thing which is all about where can you have sex with people in kind of public yeah totally (laughs) that's the new title of the podcast okay so normally i play people out but i don't even remember what melody i did for your maybe it was like learn a thing with jesse ray west learn a thing (laughs) So that was the podcast. Thank you so much for hanging out with me. How lovely is Jessie Ray West? So lovely. We had such a nice chat. And a few nervous giggles here and there. Let's do the thank yous, shall we? Um, thank you to Jessie Ray West, of course. Thank you to my friend Christoph for dating her and bringing her into my life so we could all chat with her. Thank you to Paula Flalo, the producer of No More Radio Podcast Network. Thank you to Mike Carrozza, who, guess what, made this music that you're listening to. And the one at the beginning. Thank you to Charlie Sneaker for making the little picture that you see associated with the podcast. Guys, how do you deal with criticism? How do you? And or what kind of sex do you enjoy? It was a pretty crazy podcast. Um, Email me. Answer any of these questions. Deanne at nomoradio.com. Don't tell me what type of sex you enjoy. Tell me how you deal with criticism, and I'll read them on the next intro for the next one. Okay, I better go. Guys, you're the greatest.